Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah. Hey, this is Sarah from across the pond in Boston, Massachusetts, and you're listening to The Amazing Tennis Podcast with David Kaffner and Matt. Enjoy the show. Well, thank you very much to Sarah in our intro there from across the pond in Boston, Massachusetts. I've been to Boston. Matt, have you been to Boston? I have been to Boston. David, have you been to Boston? I have. Three out of three. Wow. Three out of three. Wowzers. Very nice it is too. It is. I loved Boston. Yeah, really loved Boston. Right then, let's talk about tennis. It's day two at the Australian Open or... It was day two of the Australian Open. It's now uh, 1.28 a.m. in Melbourne, which makes it 2.28 p.m. in the UK. That was some quick maths for me, wasn't it? Uh, we've no time to waste for you today on cat news because we didn't see Robin, much to my <laughs> despair. Uh, I'm going to buy cat Fuming. treats tomorrow. <laughs> That's my actual plan. Um, Matt and I wandered down the street at one o'clock in the morning in uh, in Melbourne, literally catcalling <laughs> moments ago. So um, that is how our evening has panned out. Before that, I watched Emma Adekanu play tennis live in the flesh for the very first time. And uh, I was a good luck charm for it. She won her first ever Australian Open match. She won her first ever non-straight sets Grand Slam match. She's beaten a Grand Slam champion <laughs> for the first time. A three-set match over Sloane Stevens. I almost don't want to read out the score because most of it is so misleading. I think the first set score is a fair reflection. Raducanu won it six love. She was brilliant. Sloane Stevens was not brilliant. Uh, then she lost the second set 6-2, an incredibly tight and competitive set, as was the third, which Emma Raducanu won six games to one. It sounds rubbish. It sounds Yastremska Brengel-esque. Um, but Matt, who was there with me courtside on, on, uh, on the second court in Melbourne for most of it, I think you'd agree it was anything but. It was, it was electrifying. It was uplifting. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah, a completely misrepresentative scoreline. Uh, both players, I think, really showed us a lot. The way Sloane Stevens came back from that pretty disastrous opening set, to be honest. She found fight. She found a reason to compete in the match and, and at times played some sparkling tennis of her own. 
And Emma Raducanu showed us Emma Raducanu in a Grand Slam, which is what we're coming to expect from her now with with Wimbledon and the US Open and now this. Just such a such a different intensity to her performance compared to what we saw just just a week ago in Sydney. I, I, I've never seen Matt such a contrast in intensity in a play. It was like a di- it was like a different human being t- to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's Emma Raducanu in Grand Slams, and as we as is sort of becoming a cliche now with our Emma Raducanu discussions, we're talking small data sample here. We don't have much to go on, but Emma Raducanu at Grand Slams is completely different. It's zero and ten in terms of its intensity contrast. Yeah, and, and we've seen players with an intensity contrast from the tour to the Slams before, but. As you say, in in Emma Raducanu's short career so far, it's it's amplified for her even compared to other players. It it is so so stark. Um, the Grand Slam version is the best version of herself. I don't think she was at her U.S. Open level tonight. I think partly that was due to maybe the conditions, it not being as quick as it was in New York. I think she did find it difficult to hit through Sloane Stevens. She did it a lot. It but was also, cold tonight. It was, it was co- definitely get, I, I'm cold. I'm really going to try and not complain too much about how cold I was today, but it that that felt like a, a legit moment to mention how cold, <laughs> how cold it was today in Melbourne. Yeah, so conditions, court speed, you know, Stone Stevens' amazing defence, which Emma Raducanu mentioned in her on-court interview, that was something she probably hasn't experienced before. Um, I... I don't know about you, but sometimes when I watch a tennis match live, I like to focus on one player. You know, mainly I just watch the ball, but sometimes I like to hone in on one player. And Sloane Stevens and Emma Raducanu, I found myself wanting to hone in sort of on both of them because Emma Raducanu's footwork, since we did our um, Tennis Relive show on Lenar, which is available for Friends of the Tennis podcast, where we mentioned that... Emma Raducanu has sort of copied Lina's footwork. I found myself thinking about that. And the way she positions herself, the way she gets herself around the court is so interesting. And then you've got Sloane Stevens down the other end who epitomizes brilliant movement and sort of wonderful court coverage, I suppose. So I found myself drawn to both of them for their movement and the way they sort of tactically opened up the court and I think that was probably the thing which stood out the most for me for Raducanu today because because she couldn't fully hit through Stevens all the time she did have to resort to some loopier shots on the backhand mm. and some slice occasionally as well and hadn't quite seen that from her before it, it did feel like I learned a, a little bit more about Emma Raducanu and that's we're still in such an exciting phase of her career that we're still able to learn so much every single time she takes to the court. And I think she she feels similarly about her own game and her own career as well. It's It was uplifting as well to to see all of that. Yeah, it, it wasn't consistently brilliant, the, the match. There were, I mean, there were a lot of errors in it. I think a lot more from Stevens, but quite a few from Emma Raducanu, particularly in that second that second set but when it was good it was so good it was just compellingly good and David my favorite thing about it was uh Emma Raducanu's I I should this is like saying Gerald the cat should be able to just say Raducanu but 
somehow I say it like it's like it's all one name. Like there are some footballers you you have to say Deli Ali have to say his whole name. Reese James. Reese James. Getting, yes. You, we're getting to know her, aren't we? So yes. uh, even now. <laughs> yes. So uh, you kind of have to. Oh yeah, it's got two names. Um, my favourite thing about it was her celebration. She celebrated in the moment of victory like a 19-year-old playing a tournament for the first time, playing an Australian Open for the first time that had just upset a Grand Slam champion and she couldn't quite believe it. And that's exactly what she was. She's just Mm. all of those things, but also happens to have won a US Open. Um, yeah. But she is still she is still a nineteen year old um, that a lot of people probably most really in the know people didn't expect to win this match. I would agree. I didn't think she would win this match based on what I've seen since the U.S. Open. Based on the fact that I think it's going to take her some time to grow into the player I think she will become. Understandably so. I, I have no idea. She she does a great job of certainly making you believe that she can handle all this and she doesn't take any notice of what people say and people like us and all, everybody else who's out there. And, and actually a lot more sort of just the random person in the street, everybody's got an opinion and a judgment and is aware of her results. This is something I've, I've picked up recently, just going out and about to things to do with my kids i'll see other parents and and they'll say oh what's happened to Amara radicano i thought you know she thought she was really good well, she, well, she lost the other day and they well, yeah you, you know people do lose tennis matches that 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 is not surprising for, she isn't still basically a novice um and I, I i she does a great job of making you feel that that doesn't bother her and yet I wonder whether it does a little bit or whether it's built up a little bit and she's, she must have heard some of this stuff. So maybe some of the reaction as well is one of, oh, thank goodness, it's back. You know, a little bit of the form I showed is back. I am that player. Okay, I may not do that every week, every Grand Slam. It may take two more years, but it's in there. And, and it's even for well, me, well, it was David, a bit of a relief. she does do it every Grand Slam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. I mean, the funny thing is, I, I, I'm quite glad to hear your reports of the match because I didn't get a chance to properly watch it because I was, funny enough, I was multitasking having to, to edit some footage from her US Open final uh, this afternoon. And and by doing so, I got a feel for what it was like back then. And I, and I must admit, I'd kind of forgotten. And then to see her just out the corner of my eye, hitting shots and hearing the commentators really exclaim about what she's doing and seeing the crowd and seeing some of your messages on our WhatsApp, it was a lovely reminder of just how special a player she is capable of being. And she was back a few months ago. And yeah, it's, um, it's very hard to keep your feet on the ground one way or the other with a player of such prodigious talent and achievement at this age. But I, I do feel relieved today for her. Well, uh, I, I allowed myself to wait until 5-1 in the deciding set before uh, leaning over to Matt and whispering, what's her draw like? <laughs> Whereas <laughs> I, after after the 6-love 17-minute first set, said, oh, we're going to need to have an Emma Raducanu and the mix discussion again, aren't we, on the pod? But, but actually, I think the way the match went after that, mm. I feel we'll, pretty we'll table confident it. We'll table it. She, that she... she wouldn't she's on a she's on a potential collision course 
uh, with Simona Halep in round three. And, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. Halep will be a a tough ask for her, even if she's she's playing really, really well. So so let's not yeah. get ahead of ourselves. Let's just hope uh, with all with all due respect to Danka Kovinic, I think is who she plays next. You know, Radicanu Halep, third round. Yes, please. Uh, Halep yeah. won today pretty handily. Magdalena Freck, I think, uh, for her. David's got her in the final. Um, we're going to stay Halep, on... not Freck. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to stay with the Brits, I think. And I, I hope this isn't because we're fantastically biased and myopic in favour of Brits. I think the stories today have been the Brits. Certainly two of them. Yeah, well, the, it was... the two biggest stories... Been Murray and Raducanu, I think. There were a lot of lot of Brits playing today, weren't there? There was yeah. only the one yesterday, but there were a lot of Brits today. And obviously, as you say, Andy Murray was the other one, and it was a five set epic with Basilash Philly. I, I don't know what you thought. I always thought he would end up winning, uh, and I don't know whether that's partly because of well, just his history, and he'd beaten him in three hours thirteen minutes the other day. I j- I just couldn't see Basilash Philly getting over the line in the match, and it was just classic Murray wasn't it it was just um, a wonderful reminder of everything he is and yet there were moments in it that made me think back to losses at the Australian Open to Fernando Verasco and Joe Wilfred Songer in his early career that you got this guy just going for broke and sometimes Murray doesn't take much part in the rallies uh, or at least the way they go at the end Um, but he just he navigates a five set format and uh, that'll do you know the phrase dictating play, which means you're you're the aggressor in the match. You decide how how a how a rally goes. You're it basically means you're you're going for the winners and you're making the unforced errors. We need we need a new term for whatever Basilashvili is doing because it's that on acid. It's mad. There is if he's paying a coach. I mean, that coach is laughing all the way to the bank because there is no way there is any tactical thought or thought full stop going into Basilashvili's tennis. It's just, oh, fancy trying to hit winner now. Okay, sure, I'll go for it. Might work, might not. It's, It's mad. It's bonkers, brainless tennis. And sometimes it looks... Sublime. I mean, the the ease with which he produces power is scandalous, almost. Um, but he oh, he he can be awful. The first set, he was awful. I don't. I just don't understand him at all. Um, and I think Andy Murray couldn't either. Really, I think it must be fantastically difficult to to keep your concentration and your consistency when one minute you're playing a world beater. And the next minute you're playing sort of sort of a good club player. Um, it's, it's just madness. It's completely anti-Andy Murray mm. tennis, isn't it? I, I think... Yeah, he wouldn't approve. No, I, I don't think he does. He said you don't like seeing him in, you know, in your draw. And, and he's had him a couple of times recently, hasn't he? You know, both here in, in Australia twice. And also he played him at... Wimbledon last year as well so he's had a lot of Basilashvili recently and I think he thinks he's had his his fair share and doesn't really want to have anything to do with him again 
both for the matchup and also just as you said, just the style of tennis isn't isn't something that Murray appreciates. I don't think. Um, obviously, this was this was yet another marathon win in a slam, and the sort of thing that Murray is is looking for and missing at the moment is a is a straight sets win in a slam. He was asked in his press conference by Rob Maul of the Sun that he hasn't had one of those since he came back from his hip surgery. If we think back to Nishioka at the US Open and his wins at Wimbledon last year, they have all been struggles and epics. And I thought Murray gave such a fascinating answer to that question of sort of, you know, it was sort of put to him, are you trying to win in straight sets? And how are you trying to do that? And he said, well, yeah, I am. And he said, I had this discussion with my team and they were talking about trying to shorten matches and way to play quicker points. But he said, it's difficult to get the balance because if right now I'm playing 20 in the world level tennis, if I'm playing anyone in the top 50, those matches are going to be competitive and difficult to win. So if you start trying to play a different style of tennis and trying to shorten the points, then you might make more mistakes and you might not break serve as much. And that in itself will prolong the match. So he says what he needs to do is just play his own game, but play it better and if he can play it better, he thinks he will be more efficient, more sort of ruthless. So he's sort of a little bit stuck, I think, because he's not quite playing the level he wants to play. And that's dragging him into this really sort of long, long matches. And I thought he looked pretty shattered after it. And uh, I don't know. I mean, the press conference was delayed a little bit and then it was a sort of let's keep it short sort of thing. And I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit worried about how he recovers Physically, I mean, a day off's obviously extremely helpful, but I thought he looked pretty tired at the end of that match. Yeah, I thought he was lucky that they weren't draining conditions physically. I'm mm. going to mention it again. It was really cold. <laughs> <laughs> I was so cold during those uh, three and a half hours I spent watching Andy Murray on the John K. Not High Sense Arena uh, today. Look, it was really enjoyable. Um, I really got that sort of. You know, you never know when it's the last time buzz thing about watching Andy Murray. Uh, certainly about watching Andy Murray win Grand Slam matches, you know. And Andy Murray with a metal hip plus global pandemic equals <laughs> and- just enjoy watching Andy Murray play tennis while you can um, feelings. So, And also we were looking at the sort of poetry of it all, of the fact that this was his first match back at the Australian Open since that retirement video and it was on the same court and he was asked oh was that any extra greater significance for you and he just said no he said I know you will want me to say yes and I had all these memories flooding back but no not really he said I've practiced on it a few times since then so (laughs) um he was there was uh, lots of you that watched the match I'm sure will be wondering and I say this as somebody who received many texts throughout the course of today saying, what's that booing? What's the booing all about? And it persisted through the Nick Kyrgios match. Um, and there was a fantastic atmosphere on not high sense uh, Vodafone arena um, throughout, throughout both those matches today. It was really, it was what we were missing yesterday. It was proper Australian open vibes Um but there was this weird, not quite booing that sounded like booing. And it started right from the beginning of the Murray-Basilashvili match. 
and Murray referenced it in his on-court interview. At the time, he seemed to think it was was booing. He said something. He said that was a bit painful or something mm. to, to towards the crowd. Um, and then it persisted throughout throughout the Kyrgios match, and he also referenced it in his post-match interview. Although he seemed to understand that it wasn't booing. Anyway, apparently it's a it's a Cristiano Ronaldo thing. It's a goal celebration. It's a, they're saying Sue. Anyway, it sounds an awful lot like boo. And I think if you're trying to, <laughs> if, if you're in the crowd at a tennis match, and I realise alcohol is probably a factor here and you're perhaps not thinking clearly, but, uh, and you're wanting to, to encourage and inspire uh, the player you're supporting, don't do something that could be misconstrued as a boo. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be, there was so, there's so many other available options of how you could cheer. Um, yeah, just avoid things that sound like boo, like Holger Rune mm. and um, Sue. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's what they were doing. And I asked uh, Andy Murray about it in press afterwards and he said it was really irritating. <laughs> um, so I've mentioned Nick Kyrgios there, haven't I? So we should probably move on to talk about Nick Kyrgios and Liam Brody. Uh, Kyrgios won uh, the match straight sets over qualifier Liam Brody. First time he's ever qualified and played the main draw, the Australian Open. So a fantastic achievement. It was it was a classic Nick Kyrgios match on not high sense arena, on the John Kane arena. It just won't stick. It won't stick. Keep trying. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Uh, it, was, it was classic Nick Kyrgios. He hit a, a between-the-legs underarm serve in the second game david mm-hmm. mm. that bit i quite enjoyed <laughs> he, he'd he'd hit this sort of body serve at nigh on 140 miles an hour that missed and brody laughed and then before brody got him to position curious had hit this through the leg underarm serve that won him the point i mean it was extraordinary that he pulled it off he hit one later on at a sort of 45 degree angle the wrong way which was really embarrassing and he hit loads of them he hit loads of underarm serves personally i thought he overdid it i thought it was all i don't know whether i just have to be in the right mood for curios and maybe i'm out of the habit of it maybe i'm over him I don't know. Maybe I don't know what it is, but I couldn't really get into that today. Um, I, 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 I also, I mean, Brody's a good sport. I think they're good mates. They have a laugh, and Brody was playing along and he was smiling and laughing and all the rest of it. And lots of people wrote in to me because I tweeted about it and said, I, I, you know, I'm not not so into this. It feels I don't know where the line is between entertaining the crowd with with antics and sort of mocking your opponent when you're beating him that easily. Um, a lot of people sort of said, well, you know. Nice to light, lighten the mood a little bit after all the stuff we've gone through over the last week. And, you know, I've been I've been into Curious for about seven years. And this is one of the first times that I've just felt not into it, not into that. S- same, and, David, um, same. Yeah, I don't so think I, I don't it's know. a coincidence. Maybe I feel differently. Maybe. I went but. through all the same thought processes, but I don't think it's a coincidence that we've all... We've all felt that today. And look, there, it should be said, there are people here, the crowd inside John Kane, John Kane Arena today, the whole row of Australian journalists that, that we're sitting near in the media workroom. People are still going for it and enjoying it and getting swept up in it. And, and good luck to them. You know, 
I am a bit over the Kyrgios show. In fact, I'm a lot over the Kyrgios show. Um, and I, I particularly didn't enjoy him doing the Kyrgios show against Liam Brody somehow. And I'm sure it's, it's because, you know, we're particularly familiar with Liam Brody and we, you know, we really wish him well. Um, and, you know, he's been a bit of a, a poster boy f- for me. I know we had him on the podcast talking about it, but a bit of a poster boy for the struggles um, and the grit required to be a, a tennis player sort of on, on the fringes of, of Grand Slam main draws and, and uh, you know, grinding away on, on the Challenger Tour. And I, I found it dis- not disrespectful, but distasteful against Liam Brody today. Um, and I think we should talk about Liam Brody, really. I know he lost today, um, but there is so much to love about Liam Brody and his performance today and what he had to say in press afterwards, Matt. Yeah, totally. And it was put to him, you know, because he was the one on the end of this Nick Kyrgios show, um, you know, it was put to him, how did you find it? And he said, well, you know, people were telling me to enjoy it. You know, it's a sort of once once in a career experience playing Kyrgios and kind of his court. He said, I hated it. He, he said, I thought it was awful. Um, and he didn't actually blame Kyrgios for that. You know, he he said, I would have found it disrespectful if I thought it was personal but I didn't think it was personal or malicious or anything like that. It's just what he does. Um, he does sort of try to do it to everybody. It's just that he can't do it to everybody, but he can do it to Liam Brody. And Liam Brody actually started the press conference by saying, you know, he was asked, what did he think of, of the match? And, he, and the first thing he said was, well, Kyrgios serves effing good, doesn't he? You know, he was, he was really quite in awe of Kyrgios's game actually and how talented he is and, and the fact that he was able to do, do that after having not played tennis in eight months and being in isolation with COVID next week. And he did suffer with COVID, um, he revealed in the in the post-match interview. He said he was bedridden for two days, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He said if there's any sort of idea of it being disrespectful, he says it's it's just purely the fact that he can make you feel like a bit of a club player out there because of the way he can dink the ball, lob the ball, inject pace into the ball. He can do so many things. And and I think Liam Brody was sort of both in awe of that, but also hating the experience he was having as a result of the crowd. You know, he was being sledged. He was being told things he couldn't repeat just before he was about to serve. And and look, I think there was a moment when Nick Kyrgios said to the umpire, can you tell them, you know, can you tell the crowd not to do that when it's when it's affecting Liam Brody. I don't mind it affecting me, but when it's affecting him, I don't like that. So I don't think Kyrgios has necessarily got a lot of blame for that, but it's not a nice experience for Liam Brody to sort of have to be on the receiving end of that. Hmm. Hmm. No. He handled it very well, though, didn't he? He did. He did, both in the match and afterwards, yeah. Yeah, and I asked you what his press conference was like, and you said, "Just incredible." I mean, he he's 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 such an asset to the sport, um, and such a great talker. And yeah, credit to himself. He 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 wore rainbow laces for his match today, and you asked him about that. Yes, I did. After we'd got all the curious stuff out of the way, there was it was quite a sort of change of pace in the press conference. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just asked him and. 
well, thanked him for wearing the rainbow laces and, and asked him what the message that he wanted to send was. Um, and look, he, he, he is a real ally, Liam Brody, actually. Um, he, he said he just wanted to send a message of support. You know, he said, I'm aware of the fact that there's no openly gay male player and it's rubbish that people, players, don't feel like they can be openly gay. It's sad. Um, you don't want to force them to come out. Absolutely not. Um, it's it's their choice, he said, but you want to just show support in any way you can. And and I think he he really did that today, wearing those rainbow laces. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really good of him. Yeah. Yeah, good for you, Liam Brady, because it might not seem like much, but... There weren't, there, there weren't any other players out there no, today wearing really rainbow laces. Matter. It matters, and um, yeah, it, it was. Um, it reminded everybody of the time that um, Laura Robson wore a rainbow uh, hairband on the on the Margaret Court Arena one year, and and we googled it to try and remind ourselves about that. And some of the some of the headlines igniting igniting row, igniting gay rights row. Uh, and some of the Law Robson quotes from that are just fantastic. It was just a rainbow-coloured hairband. I didn't see anything about a protest today. I wore it because I believe in equal rights for everybody. That's it. It's a hairband. <laughs> e- epic quotes. Go on, Laura. <laughs> go on, Laura. And go on, Liam Brody. Um, and those quotes have been picked up by Attitude magazine, which is fantastic. Um, so... A winner today in many ways, Liam Brody, but also a winner today, Nick Kyrgios, who will now face Daniil Medvedev, who was, uh, I mean, just cruising against Henry Laxon, lost the first game of the match and then just, yeah, was was brilliant and will almost certainly take care of Nick Kyrgios, I would say. I know he's got a he's got a good head-to-head, but... Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a 2-0 and o head-to-head for Nick Kyrgios, both of those in 2019. Um, I think one on clay, one in the final of Washington, I think, which was very much a sweet spot week for Nick Kyrgios. Um, Medvedev said, I'm a different player now. Um, I've, I've got titles, I've got grand slams, I've got experience. And I was really reminded of something Naomi Osaka said once that, when you win a Grand Slam, everyone assumes that's going to give you a load of confidence because you know how to do it. But actually, you also know how hard it is. And sort of trying to do it again is difficult. Obviously, she did do it again at her very next Grand Slam. But even so, I feel like for Medvedev, he really has taken confidence from winning the US Open. And he's sort of carrying himself a little bit differently. He's not worried about the fact that he's the favourite here for the first time with with no with no Novak Djokovic in the draw, he's sort of taking it in his stride, and yeah, I think I think we will see how much he's come on as a player, the way he might he might handle Nick Kyrgios mm. in a couple of days' time. Mm, that's a very good point. Just in terms of wrapping up uh, the men's matches today, no other big upsets. I don't think Yannick Sinner won very easily. He's a potential round three opponent for for Andy Murray. Felix Auger-Alessim was in big trouble against Emil Ruizavori. Um Matt went out to watch that and saw Auger Aliassim safely safely through. So he's he's got you to thank, Matt. Yeah, well I got there when he just lost the second set six love to Emil 
Rusevori and and I and I passed some colleagues en route to the court and they said, Where are you going? And I said, Oh, I'm gonna try and see what on earth is going on with Felix Orgelioseem. Is he injured or anything? And they said, Oh yeah, please tell us, because we want to know what's going on as well, because what is what is that score line? He wasn't injured. He was just having a really rough day with his game, to be honest. It was as you mentioned, cold, windy, difficult conditions, which he didn't enjoy. Um, he looked rushed to me a lot of the time. Uh, Emil Rusevori hits a big ball and he he looked uncomfortable with it. Um, one of his shanks actually landed right in the lap of the of the person sitting in front of me. And I was not particularly close to the court on, on the... I don't quite know how to say it. One five seven three fifteen seventy three arena. Catchy. Yeah. Um, anyway, in the end, it's a big win for Felix Auger-Aliassime. It's the first time he's won in a slam when he was either two sets to love down or two sets to one down. He wow. was he was zero wins and nine losses from those positions. So for him to sort of come through that and by the end start playing a lot lot better, I think he'll. It'll take quite a lot of confidence from that. Mm, definitely. Just uh, just going back, by the way, uh, to Medvedev uh, very quickly. Uh, we mentioned that the one person in, in his section of the draw that could trouble him a little was Ugo and Bear. Well, he's a goner. Uh, Richard Gasquet is the new movement killer. He took care of Ugo and Bear. And that's a really surprise result to me. Four sets for, for Gasquet. So uh, bad news for the movement there. Uh, what else did we have? Marin Cilic won today. Grigor Dimitrov won today. Uh, I think that's all the big... Oh, we had uh, a withdrawal for Kaspar Ruud. Uh, real shame for him. Ankle injury. Rolled his ankle in practice two days ago. Hoped to recover ran out of time and um, that reminds me that we we forgot to mention or rather I used the time we should have been mentioning uh, Ons Jabeur's withdrawal to talk about cats yesterday but uh, Ons Jabeur had to withdraw with a back injury. Um, terrible Cressy, shame yeah. for her. David, I'm getting onto it. Can you can you not tell the, the rapid pace at which I'm rattling through all these other results in order to give you time to talk about Maxime, Maxime Cressy? You've just used 20 seconds of it. Off you go. Well, it was the most boring match I've ever seen. <laughs> and he won in five sets against John Isner. On we go. Well, Matt and I were going to go to his press conference. We had big plans and, and there wasn't one. Turns out he wasn't requested. So so we'll request him next time to make sure he Great. comes to press. The, people obviously aren't hearing. You're not spreading the word far and wide enough about Maxine Cressy. So uh, more work to be done, David. Um, what more can David do? <laughs> he wo- I will be he there. He woke up at 3am to watch this, quote, world's most boring tennis match. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. On to other results from the women's draw. I mentioned Halep won. Uh, sort of Raducanu aside, she's potentially on a, a collision course with Garbinia Muguruza in the fourth round. Muguruza opened Rod Laver Arena today, uh, won very easily. She's never lost in the first round in Melbourne in uh, in ten, 10 appearances. Yeah, and I think it's the only slam where she hasn't lost in the first round. You know, we've we have become used to sometimes seeing Muguruza go out early, but Melbourne, she feels pretty comfortable i hear i think from from the start um she, she did say something quite funny afterwards burrell she played today of france and she said i didn't really know who i was facing which i thought was a sort of savage way of saying i've never seen her play before she oh, just just didn't even know who she was <laughs> um but yeah overall it was there's a, no need to say start. that after you've beaten her on the court yeah Brutal. Uh, Iga Shiontek won today. It was a really nervous start from her and actually a great start from uh, her opponent, the uh, the British qualifier, Harriet Dart. But um, but from 1-3 from down, uh, Shiontek uh, didn't lose another game, actually, did she? She equalled Barty with 11 yeah, games crikey. in a row. Barty at the start of the match yesterday and Shiontek finishing the match uh, Petra Kvitova is out, the former finalist here, of course. That was probably the biggest upset on paper today, although it didn't feel like a massive upset, her losing to to Castella. Probably, actually, the, the biggest upset was Leila Fernandez going out to the Australian world number 132, Maddie Inglis. It was... Look, Maddie Inglis played 
played really well on the Kia Arena and really responded to the crowd. It was a good, good crowd out there. Um, but it was error strewn from Fernandez, really, really error strewn. I just didn't see that coming. And, well, to the extent that I had her in my quarterfinals. Um, yeah, it was yeah. 30 unforced errors from her today in, in quite a quick straight sets match. It, it, it was a lot. Um, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily think she'd have a deep run here, right. but I, I certainly thought she'd do better than this and wouldn't wouldn't lose in that manner was was what I didn't expect. You know, I think if, if Fernandez is going to lose, it's going to be tight and right to the end, but, but it wasn't. And, you know, sometimes maybe you just have to put it down to a bad day. That's certainly, that's certainly her take on it. She said, I felt good coming in mentally, physically, everything. I was pleased with my preparation. I got out of there. She couldn't play. Just, just played a really bad match. She was really upfront about it, trying not to take the credit away, of course, but it was clear that she just, just couldn't get it going today for whatever reason. Mm, well, we, we've, we've had a few people sort of speak that, you know, um, we had Coco Goff talking that way yesterday and, uh, and Cameron Norrie as well, didn't we? Sort of just at a bit of a loss, but, you know, maybe it's just one of those days happening at an, an unfortunate time. Uh, I'm worried that I've overlooked Annette Contivate because she, perhaps not the fact that she beat Siniakova is, is a surprise, but the manner in which she beat her, Siniakova is a good player and I, I think her singles ranking should be better than it is really. Um, but Contivate just dismissed her today um, and I'm worried I've made a, a big boob with my predictions not including her. Same here. Yep. Yeah. Full house. Full uh, house. And, and I think we I think none of us particularly trust the end of the year, do we, as a performance guide, particularly for a new player that hasn't had a breakthrough like this before. And I think she falls into the category of Caroline Garcia and Arena Sabalenka and Elena Svitolina. I'm expecting it to kind of wither wither away. But what, what, she's what's saying What's the excuse no. then for us all overlooking Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova? Cuz I always do that. And she's a French Open well, finalist probably now. probably 12 years of... Yeah, but she's a, she's a Grand Slam finalist now, David. Two and one today over Anna Bondi. I didn't yeah. even really linger on her in the draw and consider her very much, and I probably should isn't have. Isn't playing... Um, um, she's playing Stosa now, isn't she, or someone like that? She's playing someone who similarly, you know, um, experienced. <laughs> yeah, Sam Stosa was a real <laughs> that good... Was so... <laughs> Delicately put, David. Yeah. <laughs> other other words came to mind. Oh, masterfully handled. Uh, Sam Stosa was a good news story today. She's announced that this is her final Australian Open as a as a single player. She'll be retiring after this. It's her twentieth appearance at her home Grand Slam. She's going to continue to play the remainder of of the year in doubles. Um, she was out there on the Kia Arena. She just loved it. She loved the court, obviously, new court this year. She really brought the vibes. Um, she beat 28-year-old Grand Slam and WTA Tour debutant Robin Anderson in three sets. And she just looked like she loved every single second of it. And I'm not sure I can ever say that about any previous match of Sam Stoza's at the Australian Open. Um, no. So I'm <laughs> I'm glad she's... Finally had a taste of winning, enjoying, playing playing at her home Grand Slam. Um, Anna Konyu did the business for you today, David. She beat Shelby Rogers. Uh, in other Delighted. in other David's sort of favourite players news, Clara Towson won today against Astra Sharma. Daria Kazakina 
is quietly having a very good start to the season. It's all coming up law. Now we're talking. <laughs> it's good, this. Uh, Heather Watson and Dan Evans won today in sort of uh, residual British news. Dan Evans really easily over David Goffin and Heather Watson. Good win for her, 6-2 in the third over Maya Sharif. Rabakina, Matt. Mm. Rabakina gave me a, a few heart palpitations. She uh, She's in my quarterfinal lineup, and she was playing fe- fellow Kazakh Zarina Diaz today. Yes, and she had to save a match point in the second set and she did it with a really gutsy backhand drive volley. I think, you know, I was certainly holding my breath when that ball was in the air and she took it out the sky and and, and landed it, Um, came through the second set and then raced through the decider, as I think, you know, she probably should if she's playing well against Serena Diaz. Um, there's, there's There's a real power imbalance between those two players that you would think we're back gonna should take advantage but there's a worry she she had a medical timeout I believe it was for her knee she was clutching her knee she she withdrew last week didn't she from an event which I think I thought was maybe her saving herself for the Australian Open I thought that too while making my predictions <laughs> but actually turns out she might have a really quite serious knee injury and oh and and is struggling with it so Good win, but we need to keep an eye on that on that injury in the next round. Another thing to keep an eye on is Arena Sabalenka's service yips. Uh, she did win today. She was a set and three one down to the Aussie Storm Sanders, of course, uh, Ash Barty's doubles partner, but also making a, a few waves in singles now, Storm Sanders. Um, Pam Shriver said at the start of this match that Arena Sabalenka's service yips are, are the worst she's ever seen. <gasps> yeah. Look, she did pull it together, and apparently Mark Philippoussis has, has had a hand in that. Yes, apparently <coughs> Philippoussis helped Sabalenka with her serve after the Rebecca... Peterson match that Sabalenka lost the other week. Um, and, and I believe his advice was that she's overthinking it and that Sabalenka herself believes it's all mental. And I think that's why, perhaps, I don't want to put words in Pam Shriver's mouth, but I think that's maybe why Pam Shriver feels that way because Sabalenka's serve, okay, she can hit double faults because she goes for it on the second serve quite a lot, but it's actually a weapon for her. You know, there are some players... Mm like Sara Rani, who I've seen have terrible service yips, but their serve is a weakness. It just always is and always will be. But for Sabalenka, it's so, it's so extreme the way it's sort of collapsed on her in the last few months that it, it, it does feel particularly bad. But I do think as the match went on today, it, it improved slightly. I think she'd hit four or five double faults after a handful of games and didn't hold serve until a few games into the match and was not winning any points barely on second serve. But then as the match went on, I think she got it a bit more under control. I mean, she she actually did an underarm serve last week, not strategically, not sort of one of those to catch your opponent out, just to get the thing in. (laughs) That's very Catherine Whitaker. Um, Sorry, I was just choking there, but (laughs) I I am okay. (laughs) Um, Folks, 
I promised yesterday that would there would be NFT news in today's pod. And I'm sure lots of people have tuned in in their droves specifically uh, for non, non-fungible token news. Uh, for the moment, the, the, the tennis podcast, along with the AO, has launched itself into the metaverse. That is the wording of the Australian Open's uh, press release, I should say. Um, they've released a collection of 40 NFTs to celebrate iconic moments in AO history. Uh, you can get a 3D tennis racket. Uh, they've got one from each decade. David, do you fancy a 90s 3D tennis racket NFT? I don't don't know what you're talking about. It comes in a sweet blockchain wallet. What are you talking about? What is a blockchain wallet? I don't know, but when we had our post-pod chat yesterday, I got the impression that you knew the most most of all of us about NFTs. You're now denying all knowledge. You can get yourself some digital grass from Kuyong. Yeah, I mean, I have tried I to read up on about it. And, and Either it- I mean, like everybody who's in in any way interested in tennis or works in it, you know, I've, I've unfollowed Stan Wawrinka like everybody else because he keeps banging <laughs> on about these NFTs and I don't know what he's talking about. But I have read up on them a bit and, I, you know, I, I start to think, oh, I wonder whether there's a tennis podcast NFT we can, you know, make some money out of. And then I suddenly thought, they just seem horrible. It just seems like you're trying to monetize every aspect of your life, no matter how credible and relevant it might be. And maybe I just don't get it, but I don't want to know. David Law there launching the tennis podcast into the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> and quickly pulling us out of it again. Um, Right, I think that's it for your day two Australian Open tennis podcast. I'll just whiz you three through uh, notable matches on the day three schedule. Uh, What have we got tomorrow? We start on the Rod Laver Arena with Paola Bedosa. Injury watch for me with Bedosa. She's up against Martina Trevisan. Then it's Ash Barty, Rafael Nadal. Osaka in the night session, followed by Zverev against the Australian sensation, John Millman. Uh, I don't see any upsets <laughs> on Rod Laver tomorrow, but we'll see. Second court, Alina Svitolina, then Shapovalov against Sunru Kwon, Krachikova, Sakari, Gelmor Feasts against Alexander Bublik is last up there. So we've got men's matches last up, second in the night session on both the main courts. I approve. Maybe the organisers are tennis podcast listeners. Uh, well done, anyway. Uh, we've got Matteo Berrettini. Hopefully all is well with his digestive system. He's not before 2.30 tomorrow in the John Kane Arena. What do we got? Right, the big one. I think the match of the day tomorrow, Bencic against Anisimova is third on the Kia Arena, which is great for Matt and I, because that's handy. the one that's really close to the media centre. Um, <laughs> so we'll be out there watching that tomorrow. Uh, there's plenty of other good matches as well. The double starts tomorrow, which seems awfully soon. But anyway, there we go. Doubles gets underway in earnest. I think that's a wrap on day two. It's uh, 2.15 in the morning here in Melbourne, and David's got uh, parental duties to perform in Solihull. So I'll thank our various mascots, Charlie, our Australian Open 
uh, mascot for 2022. Charlie, you don't need to worry about Robin because she let me down. She uh, she didn't want to meet me on the streets of Richmond this evening. So, Charlie, you are absolutely number one. You always were. Lovely beagle. Uh, we have Darwin, who, David, you need to wish, get well wishes to. Yes, Darwin and Carrie have been in touch today uh, with me um, and uh, and they, they let me know they were thinking of me and, and that Darwin hasn't been so well, has got uh, Lyme's disease. So I just want to say very get well soon to Darwin, which is a just the most lovely dog. Seconded, get well soon, Darwin. Uh, Carter, I've let you down again today, but we ride again on day three. Matt, Matt has sold me on Talon Greek Spore and his amazing winning streak. So uh, that is that is who our pride rests upon tomorrow. Uh, Matt is sponsored by Gerald the Cat. Lovely. I'm I'm off cats tonight, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure Robin will be back soon. Hello, Gerald the Cat. Uh, Billy Jean learnt to use a cat flap today, or dog flap rather. She's sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our two executive producers, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner. Both of them top blokes. Matt, who are our shout outs for? For Stephen Wright in Toronto. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. I believe. People from Toronto call it Toronto, but it sounds silly in a British right? silly in a British accent. Yeah, you don't say the T. I think Stephen's been in. Stephen might have been in touch before. So hello, Stephen. And uh, I, I did like Toronto when I went there. Mm, covered the event me there too. about eleven, twelve years ago. That's Very nice where place. I dangled off a building in tears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah. What else we got, Matt? Thank we, you, Stephen. We have Katura. Oh, hello, Katura. Frequent Kutura, winner owned... of tennis podcast quizzes. Mm. Oh, she's amazing, isn't she? She just destroyed me. And uh, she also owned our first ever pet mascot. Charlie which the Ferret. Charlie the Ferret. Hello, will Kutura. never be forgotten. Thank you for your support. And of course, Rogue from last year, who was my sponsor. Absolutely. And we have Agatha Zukowska, who says, Catherine said she loves a Z in her name. I do. I do. That's a rock star name. And in fact, Agatha is the name of uh, one of the members of ABBA, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Is it or is it? No, no it's Agneta. No, that's. No, it is Agatha. Probably should have looked this up. <laughs> or is, is it, it one of the railway children? Oh, okay. Have I confused now ABBA? Is this Have I confused with... ABBA with the railway children? We'll look it up, Agatha. It's a great name either way. <laughs> She is in North London and she says she fell in love with tennis when her dad explained the rules to her when she was six and they were watching a Davis Cup World Group qualifier. Yikes. Okay. Niche. It's a niche way to start. I love that. Agnetha. Agnetha. Okay. Is Abba. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Annie Frid as well is the other A. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> there's two b's and two a's that's how they got that's how they got yeah. the name david right anyway that's been day two of the australian <laughs> open we're all losing our minds we'll be back tomorrow for more of this do join us for day three mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.